for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Hello, hello, this is Dr. Meg Meeker, and welcome to Parenting Great Kids podcast. This is episode number 153, and we have a great show for you here today. My guest is Dave Ramsey, a good friend of mine and New York Times bestselling author. We're going to be talking today about his brand new book, Baby Steps Millionaires, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Wealth and How You Can Friends, I don't know about you, but this COVID stuff has really gotten to me and a lot of my patients. Parents feel isolated. Kids feel isolated. And because of that, I started something called the Parenting Great Kids Community. You can check it out on meekerparenting.com. The reason I started this community is because that's exactly what we need now. We need to come together with other parents and figure out life. I jump in there. I answer your questions. I post videos on a topic. I post videos and answering questions. And once a month, we do a live stream Q&A session. So check it out. I think you might really like it. So on my show today, as I said, is my friend Dave Ramsey. Dave's an American entrepreneur financial counselor, author, motivational speaker, radio host, podcast host, and television personality. Dave educates people on the ways of using monetary resources judiciously through his Financial Peace University. He speaks in churches and community centers everywhere across the United States. I also spoke with Dave and a number of other speakers at his SMART conferences for many years before COVID hit. Dave's most important message is this, avoid debt at all costs. So here's my interview with Dave Ramsey. I know you're gonna love it. Well, Dave, my friend, thanks so much for coming on and talking to me about your brand new book, Baby Steps millionaires. Now I read that title and I thought, oh my, hey, first of all, it's too late for me because I'm too old. But but the whole idea of your whole uh, foundation of your financial program that's helped millions of people is the whole idea of baby steps. And you talk about baby steps to, um, you know, reducing debt. So baby steps millionaire, you know, kind of takes you back. Um, what is one of the big myths that we have about millionaires? I think the biggest myth is probably the reason we put the book together. I, I didn't have an intention to write this book at this time. I haven't done a major trade publication book since Rachel and I did Smart Money, Smart Kids eight years ago. Um, and it was a number one. Mainly we've been doing Ramsey personality books. But I kept hearing people believe the lies that the toxic culture are putting out that steal their hope. Mm-hmm. And since I'm a proponent of people having hope and a proponent of them believing they can win and showing them how they can win, especially in the area of money, but, you know, 
connecting up with you over the years in the area of parenting, in the area of marriage with our friend Les. And, you know, I, I want to show people the path of some kind to healing and to hopefulness. Uh, and, and the culture just keeps yelling at them, you can't do this, you can't do this, that all the opportunity is gone in America. And I, it just, you know, it infuriated me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I've got to prove mathematically and with story and with 30 years of experience and with airtight research that you still can become wealthy in America. You know, I love that. That's sort of your signature, Dave, in everything that you teach. And I've noticed that is you're so positive and you're so inspirational and you do, you give people hope. You know, and that's one of the things I do. But, you know, in a financial realm, that can be a little bit tricky. You know, as we get going, there are probably a lot of people out there listening go, well, gee whiz, this is easy for Dave Ramsey to talk about. You know, he's made a lot of money and he's already there. Um, is wealth what makes you tick? No. Is it what, what gives you joy in life? Oh, absolutely not. And I don't. And, and I think if you think that, you're you're going to skate out on some really thin ice and fall in. I mean, you know, so no, wealth is of no value at all, except what it does. What it does give you is options. Uh, I mean, it'll buy the Tylenol if you got a headache. Hello. I mean, it'll, it'll put shoes on your kid. It'll change your family tree. It, you can buy uh, toys for an entire community of children when the community was just wiped out by flood right before Christmas, you can buy a single mom a car. You can you can be outrageously generous, and, and you've got options. You can buy a car that doesn't break down all the time. Uh, I mean, you, you can you can live in a house that the roof doesn't leak. Uh, but that's all it. It's only good for what it does. If you're looking for it to provide you peace, it's not going to. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason I asked you that is because I know that about you, and I think it's important for people to understand that you've acquired, and yet it, it holds a very small part of your life, the enjoyment you get from that. Let's talk about the baby steps of becoming a millionaire. Um, what are those baby steps? And I know you talk a lot, a lot about baby step number four. What are the baby steps, and which one do you think is the most important? Well, I think they're all important because they're just a series of things we do to, to build upon each other that enable us to first lay a foundation uh, and get our shoulders squared and then be able to really reach over and grab prosperity by the throat and make it happen. And it's the same seven baby steps that we have taught for going on 30 years now. Uh, Total Money Makeover book has sold 8 million copies, and it's the full explanation of the baby steps, you know. Mm -hmm. And so Financial Peace University, we talk about how to go through the baby steps. The Dave, or the Ramsey Show, day we answer baby step questions on the air. And we don't mind. We love doing it because it's showing people how to progress. Now, first thing you do is get $1,000. That's one, quickly. Two is get out of debt, everything but the house. That's baby step two. And that's where a lot of people have kind of known Dave Ramsey for getting people out of debt using the debt snowball in baby step two. And probably 85% of our audience is in baby step two, mm -hmm. something like that. And then when you're out of debt, everything but the house, you don't have any payments but a house, you got some freedom now. You go back to baby step $1,000, raise it up to three to six months of expenses and emergency fund. Most people, if they could get through that, they would already feel wealthy. Yeah. And then baby steps four, five, and six are really 
what this book is about, this mm -hmm. Baby Steps Millionaire book, because what we're seeing is not only did we get people out of debt, we got them out of debt so that they had control of their most powerful wealth building income, our most powerful wealth building tool, which is your income. Mm -hmm. and, and so baby step four is you start putting 15% of your income away into retirement. And then you go to baby step five, kids college and six pay off the house. And seven is just become wealthy because you're out, your house is paid off. Everything's paid off. We're just investing now and we're outrageously generous. So what we were discovering was we started doing a, a millionaire theme hour. And we started hearing from people all the time, Dave, I've been walking your stuff for 10 years and I got out of debt and I paid off my house. And, you know, I've got $650,000, $700,000 in my 401k and I've got a $400,000 paid for house. I'm a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And I went, well, you're a baby steps millionaire. You followed the baby steps. And we did a whole piece of research a couple of years ago that we put in Chris Hogan, a former Ramsey personalities uh, book called Everyday Millionaires. And that piece of research was the largest study of millionaires ever done. So between these people that we studied and the people that we've experienced, thousands of them now that have come out of the millions that we've taught, that followed it far enough that they finished the game, meaning they got money into retirement and they got their house paid off, which made them a millionaire. And we thought, hey, this is really happening. It really it is not it's not a theory anymore. We're seeing it. The anecdotal evidence is everywhere. There are baby steps millionaires, tens of thousands of them out there mm -hmm. because they followed that precise plan. Mm -hmm. Well, I love your plan because it teaches people really important character skills. And I mean, you've taught me a lot about this because I like to spend money. And then I met you and I thought, oh, I better stop that to get on budget. But the whole idea of controlling spending is really hard. And I think that's what your, your first program teaches people to do because that's critical in building wealth to become a millionaire. Does that resonate with you? Have you seen that in people? Because I think that would be one big factor that people have that could prevent them from becoming a millionaire is they can't control their spending. Well, I, I think that the reason you and I have become such good friends is that we both talk to folks in that you control more of your destiny with your behavior than anyone likes to admit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you tell them, you know, you can be a hero dad. And you control that. You control your reaction to the circumstances. You can't control all the circumstances. You can control a lot of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Control the controllables, and, and then you get the result. And, and so, in a sense, we're relationally behavior managing to create a result with parenting, in your case, with money, in my case. And personal finance, we've said it for years, is 80% behavior. It's only 20% mm -hmm. head knowledge. Mm -hmm. and, and so, the weird thing is, is that as I learn to control my money, I am really learning to control myself. Right. Self-control. You know, right. a, a fruit of the spirit in the Bible. Hello. You know, this is, this is self-control. It's controlling self. And if I can control the guy in my mirror, he can be skinny and rich and a good husband and a better daddy. You know, mm -hmm. and, but I got to control him before I can even think about causing these other things to happen. But if, the weird thing is, is, if I actually start concentrating on my parenting skills it forces me to concentrate on self-control. Mm -hmm. If I start concentrating on my marital skills or my money skills, it forces me to deal with me. And so it's a very spiritual experience, this modification of behavior thing. 
Yeah, it is. And it's hard. I mean, I think that controlling yourself and changing your own behaviors, which has such a huge impact and everything around your life is hard because we want everybody else to change. You know, we want our, our kids to change. We want our money situation to change. Let's just pivot a little bit and talk about money and kids, because you have a chapter on that in your book about um, helping helping kids learn how to manage their money. As adults, one of the things that I see in parents is that even as they get older, they spend more and more money on their kids. And I see people dipping into their retirement even to help their 20 and 30 somethings. Talk about that for a minute, if you could. Well, it's not only damaging to the person that's hurting their retirement, because they may turn around and have to ask for help later because mm -hmm. they didn't preserve a nest egg. They crack and scramble it dealing with some dysfunctional 20 year old or, or dysfunctional 26 year old or whatever it is. Uh, but it's also damaging to those young people. The weird thing about this Z generation, I, I work with a ton of them and uh, th this 24, 23, 27 year old group, age group are absolutely fabulous. Yeah. They are an incredible generation. They're very smart. Uh, they're very technology savvy, obviously, for a lot of reasons. A lot of people like my age are not technology savvy, and uh, but they're but they're they're pretty stinking incredible. I got a building full of them. We got eleven hundred team members, and our average age is under thirty. And yeah. so I, I got I get to work with these people every day. But the weird thing about that generation is there's really no mediocre bunch. There's none in the middle. And you moms and dads that are supporting their lack of character, their lack of work ethic, their lack of self-control with your retirement fund, you're breaking the kid and your retirement fund. You're messing up both things. I agree. I agree. And, and also, it really starts long before that. You know, parents can start establishing really good habits, spending habits in their kids and spending the spending habits that they have towards their kids, because from the time the kids are little, parents are lured into, enticed oh. into spending tremendous amount. You can buy a a $2,500 crib that jumps and sings and moves and will take you to the grocery store. You know, and these kids feel if I don't buy these things, I'm less than a good mom. So I, th I think that it starts very, very early. So to get parents out of that mindset that spending money on stuff for your kids doesn't make you a better parent. And in a way it can, it can hurt you as a parent and hurt your kids. Absolutely. We're, we're to provide for their safety. Mm -hmm. We're to provide for a, calm, encouraging environment, but that does not involve bells and whistles and dings and dongs and things going crazy and all over the house. It is not necessary. They, they, they need food, shelter, clothing, transportation, utility, and love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but love is not spelled unlimited Amazon. Uh, that's not how you spell it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you, you've really got to decide, okay, what are you trying to accomplish with this purchase for this child. And, and there's one of three or four things. The healthy purchase for the child is it's a good thing for the child. I've got the money. It's not a distraction. I'm not 
messed up in how I, what I think this item is going to do for this kid's life. It's a thing and we buy it. That's there. That's a healthy transaction. There's the unhealthy transaction where you're buying it. Cause you think you're going to make the kid happy. Ha ha ha. They'll play in the box. Okay. Or mm-hmm. your unhealthy transaction is you buy it because of the way it looks to your friends that you have one of those things. Your kid has one of those things. If your kid is four years old and they dress for your friends, this is a problem because you put them in name label stuff and they're walking around carrying a coach purse and they're four years old. I mean, this is not for the child and it's not even for you. It's for you showing off for your friends or you're afraid the way the kid looks. This is dysfunctional parenting, I think. And I know you think, cause we hang out a lot. Yeah. And you know, it's really one of the biggest challenges I have is to sort of get parents to get out of this mindset because they're very, very competitive. You know, my kid has to do what your kid does. They have to do this kind of thing. And it's hard. You and I are grandparents and it's- Yeah, turn off Instagram. Yeah, it's just really hard. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with my good friend, Dave Ramsey. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with more of this conversation. You talk about five things that are important to do with kids to get them money smart or savvy. Work, give, save, spend, and steward. What do you mean by work? Are you talking about kids doing household chores? Are you talking about kids working outside the home? And why is work so important to teach kids about money? Well, work is where money comes from, mm-hmm. number one. And, and I meet 50-year-olds who have never learned this. And so if you want to raise your children to be good children, that's one thing. But really, I think, and you and I have talked about this, I've heard you say it, I've heard my friend, our friend Andy Andrews say it, our job is to raise not good children, our job is to raise children that become good adults. And so I want to raise a daughter who is poised and confident as a strong father, strong daughter relationship, I learned this from you, to, to walk into the marketplace and hold her own. And uh, there's nothing on her that says that anyone can mess with her in any way because just the way she carries herself. And, uh, you know, and I did raise two of those, by the way. Yes, you did. That's my goal when I'm raising them. And, and, And so it's all about, you know, work gives you confidence. It gives you dignity. It gives you a sense of accomplishment. It, it, it builds your pride and it, it gives you, you know, the ability to look forward and have vision into things. When you don't feel like you can control that portion of your environment, then you feel victimized by everything around you. You feel stuck by bad employers. You feel stuck by a bad economy, a bad president. You feel stuck by COVID. You feel stuck by everything because you can't control anything. Work gives you the power to control a large portion of that world. And and now, of course, we're talking about age appropriate. We're not sending a four-year-old to the salt mines. Uh, A four-year-old that picks up four toys just did some work, okay? But a 14-year-old can can actually do some real work uh, around the house or outside the house. A 16-year-old can. I mean, I was working like a maniac when I was a teenager. Uh, I got my real estate license when I turned 18. I worked 40 to 60 hours a week through college. We didn't used to call that child abuse, you know, and it didn't harm me. I'm not scarred from it. It wasn't a toxic environment. It gave me great confidence. I was poised beyond my years. I carried myself older than I was, more mature. It emotionally pushed me forward in into another decade. Uh, work does all of those things as a parenting skill. 
You know, I so agree with you, Dave, on getting kids to work. And actually, from a young age on, kids can start to work. When you go through your book and look at who becomes millionaires, you would think that kids who come from a wealthy background are much more likely to acquire wealth than people who don't. But that's not necessarily true, is it? No, it's not necessarily true. The data doesn't show that. The data shows that kids who come from a background who, where parents teach them how to work, save, give, and spend, um, they often millionaires attribute those skills, those character qualities to their dad and mom and say, they taught me this. And then I went and applied it by investing in my 401k and getting out of debt and having a good work ethic. And we're, you and I are not talking about being workaholics. Right. Uh, we're just talking about a steadiness, a self-control of creating an income and applying that income in a wise way that creates a life-changing result. Because mm -hmm. it's hard, I think, that as people, particularly if you started out in a blue-collar family and you get, you grow up and you um, have a high-paying job, it's really hard not to want to just spend that because, you know, now you can have two cars. Now you can have a nicer car. And if you haven't gone through your program, how can parents teach kids not to spend if they're in their late teens or parents acquired wealth later in life? Is it too late to teach kids to not spend so much and to save more and to give more? No, it's not. Because again, it, it goes back to why are you spending? Teaching children to make wise purchases, teaching them to spend, is teaching them to say, this is what this item, this spending experience does for me. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to fill a hole, you know, that if I get enough stuff, I'll be happy. Well, see, we've now we've got a problem with how the child's identity is formed. It's not a it's a materialism issue now. Or if we're trying to uh, purchase something for the way it looks to other people. Again, we've got an identity problem with the child. And so that's a parenting thing. It goes back to that. And the beautiful thing is the spending, the what the reason for the spending reveals the things I can coach the young child on, the adolescent child on, and even the adult child on to the extent they'll still allow me to coach them once they're adults. Yeah. But, um, you know, but, but the, the, you know, the whole idea here is, is, you know, contentment is a spiritual issue. It's a psychological state of being, uh, an emotional state of being. And it comes from I'm not having to do all these extracurricular activities to be accepted, to be affirmed, to be whole. And all of those extracurricular activities in my world turn into spending. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that's a huge point. That's a whole nother show is that if you don't have a solid spiritual foundation or a faith, you don't have that peace and you're continually looking outward to help your kids be happy and to help yourself be happy by filling it up with a lot of stuff, shopping, you know, giving your kids a lot of things. Talk to the, say, single mom or single dad out there who's kind of struggling along and they think, you know, I'll never make it. I'm never going to acquire any wealth. Um, I'll never be able to get my kids to acquire any, any wealth. Where can that person start? And is it possible for that person over a period of time to acquire a significant amount of wealth? Absolutely. One of the stories in Baby Steps Millionaire is an African-American lady named Jackie. Jackie grew up in dire poverty, uh, got out of 
uh, that situation, went to school, went deeply into student loan debt, got married, started a normalized life, a middle-class life, then went through a divorce and found herself back in subsidized housing, scared to death again as a single mom. So she's exactly who you're talking about. Um, and we fast forward, of course, to the end of her story, and she has become a millionaire. So how did she do that? Well, she made the decision that the, the activities, the things that I did that brought me here are the same things that are going to keep me here. And so I have to engage in different behaviors if I want a different result. So I'm going to get on a budget and I'm going to stick to it. I'm not going to try to impress other people. I've got one goal with the child and that's food, shelter, clothing, transportation, and love and some utilities. So we've got some heat. I mean, we've got these basic necessity goals and, uh, you know, a lot of us didn't grow up in wealthy families, but we get, we're given the tools in those blue collar families, in those lower middle class families, in the single parent family, the work ethic, the character, the integrity, the fact that we're going to be frugal, uh, not out of desperation, but out as a part of our plan that gives us the tools to become wealthy. The next generation, Jackie did it in her generation. Now her children are set up to do it in that generation. So we're going to get on a budget. We're going to stay out of debt. We're going to live on less than we make. We're going to purchase things we can afford that have utilitarian value to our family that we're not trying to impress other people. We don't have the money to impress other people here. We're just trying to eat and move on and move to the next thing. And once you get out of this thing of I've got to impress other people, then you teach your kids, they don't have to impress other people to be whole, to be healthy, to be wealthy. And as a matter of fact, it's a key to becoming wealthy that you don't live your life for other people. And uh, so single moms, single dads are warriors and they teach their children to become warriors and they really have an advantage, not a disadvantage. Right. Um if I could for a minute, because I know you well, you did not grow up as a wealthy person. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I wasn't poor. We weren't we weren't impoverished or anything. No, but, no. Yeah. You know, it was a it was a lower middle class family. Mom and dad, uh, you know, several different jobs. By the time I was leaving home, they were got in the real estate business or real estate brokers and they were making, you know, good middle class money and uh, but very entrepreneurial. And uh, very much taught us that, it, you know, if it's to be, it's up to me. Uh, I later learned if it's to be, it's up to me and God, yeah. uh, by the way, the providence and the sovereignty of the Lord, right, mm -hmm. in, in that process. But, but they very much gave us this self-reliant mentality and that, that opportunities out there, the glass is half full, it's not half empty. The, the deck is stacked, but it's not stacked against you to the point you can't go win. You just got to overcome some of those people out there that are the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and so that's how I grew up. And so the greatest gift that they gave me was making me believe I could do it. Mm -hmm. That didn't require money. Right. Just that encouragement and hope. And yes, you can, that you tell people over and over and over and to never, never, never quit. Um, yeah, I don't, you have that Win, Winston Churchill sign in your office. And, and I, I think about that so many times because so many times we move forward and we work and we work and we throw our hands up and go, this is never going to happen. I give up, but that's not you. And so I just wanted people to look at you and say, you know, you didn't start out with the wealth that you have now. You didn't, weren't given a, a leg up, you know, you weren't given a trust fund that said here and, and, you know, go make a lot of money. <laughs> Maybe you were, but no. And no. so, yeah. So how, how did you get from, you know, going bankrupt 
to where you are now and coming up with the financial peace program? Is that something that you lived and then wrote the program or something that you thought up and started to work it? Well, when we went broke, I was a baby Christian. And so we always say I, I met God on the way up and I got to know him on the way down. And, and so at 28 years old, I'm sitting there with a brand new baby, Rachel, and a toddler, Denise, broke and a marriage hanging on by a thread and no money, bankrupt. So apparently some of the things I learned in finance class didn't work, right? Because uh, I followed them to a T. Uh, and, and so I went on a quest to learn how money really works. And I talked to old people that were rich, not young people that were rich, because I knew they'd gotten rich quick. I'd been young and rich. I didn't want his opinion. And, um, I, and I, and I started as a brand new Christian, I started finding out the Bible talks about money. Mm -hmm. And when I found the biblical principles to finance, they lined up with what the old people call common sense, mm -hmm. get out of debt, live on less than you make, be on a budget, save and invest, be outrageously generous, live like no one else so that later you can live and give like no one else. And there's scripture to back all those grandma sayings up that we've all had, have a rainy day fund, you know, uh, there's all kinds of uh, the scripture and the common sense aligns on all this stuff. And so I just started living that and, and slowly, not quick, slowly years before we saw substantial results. We were not a millionaire again, three years after we filed, uh, filed bankruptcy. No, it was years. Yeah. We were getting rid of the debt and getting the basic savings in place to be able to stand on the uh, solid ground again, to then, you know, grab prosperity by the throat and own it again. Mm -hmm. and, and so then we started making, you know, we started making and start teaching other people how to do this stuff. And the business was very, very small. The first two years that I did financial peace as a business, I made less than I had made the two years prior after bankruptcy. That's how bad financial peace was when it started. My wife's like, where's the financial peace? You know, so we didn't get rich doing that. We got, we built our first level of wealth following the principles that we teach exactly mm -hmm. the baby steps. We became babies, the original baby steps millionaire. Yeah. And you really have lived that out and walked that out. And I've been really privileged to, to watch you do that and to see that you are doing exactly what you say. And I really, that's a huge, wonderful model for me. Dave, we're out of time now. I sure appreciate you coming on and talking with me. I'm excited to see how well your book is going to do. Baby Steps Millionaires, How Ordinary People Build Extraordinary Wealth and How You Can Too. What a hopeful, hopeful title. Thanks so much for writing it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too. I want to thank my guest, Dave Ramsey, for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Dave, go to RamseySolutions.com. That's Ramsey, R-A-M-S-E-Y, Solutions, all one word, dot com. Be sure to follow him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Dave Ramsey in your internet browser. Now on to my points to ponder. One, teach kids the discipline of not spending. You know, most kids are never taught how not to spend money. We reward our kids for good behavior, accomplishments, etc. With money they can save up to buy something out of good intentions, 
We motivate our kids by giving them money to save up so that they can get something they really want. Now, there's nothing wrong with this. The problem comes when we don't follow up and teach them what to do with the money. When we show them how to be disciplined with their spending, we teach the very important lesson of self-control. Learning to have self-control when it comes to spending leads our kids into the freedom to embrace what is far more important. Two, teach kids to save money at a young age. Because kids are short-sighted by nature, when they get money, they think of how they can spend it. What do they want? What do they want to go buy in a month or a year or in three years? We teach them to save money for a period of time until they accumulate what they need to buy that special something. Again, there's nothing wrong with this, but as Dave points out in his brand new book, Baby Steps Millionaires, when kids begin saving money at an early age and invest it, they become very wealthy when they're older. And that's a lesson we need to teach them at an early age. Three, teach them that an important part of having wealth is so that you can give it away to others. This lesson, my friends, is very countercultural. We teach kids to amass wealth so that they can have financial security when they're older. And there's nothing wrong with this. The truth is, they can save for financial security and learn to bless others with their wealth. The wealthiest people I know who are the happiest are those who give generously with their money. Let's recap my points to ponder. One, teach kids the discipline of not spending. Two, teach kids to save money at a young age. Three, Teach your kids that an important part of having wealth is having the ability to give it away to others. And remember, friends, check out my website, meekerparenting.com, and sign up for my private community, Parenting Great Kids community. I really think you're going to like it. So until next time, parents, always remember, great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Mike, producer of Dr. Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. At the end of our podcast, do you wonder, okay, how do I apply this to my life, to my kids? Dr. Meg keeps these discussions going in our brand new Parenting Great Kids community. She gives you answers to issues and clear steps to take to resolve them. Imagine having the ability to ask Dr. Meeker a question about your issues with your kids. Well, now you can. We've created a new Parenting Great Kids community where Dr. Meg answers readers' questions, posts videos on topics, adds a new parenting course monthly, and goes live with you once a month. Don't wrestle with your problems alone. Let Dr. Meg help you. Join us in the new PGK community. For more information, go to meekerparenting.com and look for the PGK community tabs. <laughs>